What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. My next guest comic strip, uh, Kathy, is syndicated in over 1,000 newspapers, and she is a very perceptive observer uh, of the male-female relationships in our life. Would you welcome Kathy Geiswhite? As opposed to Johnny here, who I saw the men all getting ready backstage. And, you know, they sit down, poof, while I'm sitting there in my 45 minutes, they sit down, poof, one poof of powder, and you're done. You're out of there. You know, a woman, if it takes me 20 minutes to dry my hair, and it takes the man two minutes, well, he's already 18 minutes ahead for the day. Mm. And if it takes me 15 minutes to do the makeup, and it takes the man zero minutes. Yeah. Now he's 33 minutes ahead. <laughs> you know, at 7.30 in the morning, he's already got 33 minutes on me. And so you start multiplying this out day yeah. by day, week by week, sure. month by month. I figure by the end of the year, a man has two and a half months of free time that the woman has not had. Do I, uh... Do I say... And of course... Do I, do I sense here a slight undercurrent of... Uh, Resentment or jealousy hostility? about that? Or, well, I, I think most women just... would just want to know from you, the, um, you know, the perfect man, why it is that, <laughs> why it is that if a man has this excess of time in a year that he cannot find three minutes, you know, to tell us how wonderful we are. All right, no, all right, I've got a question. <laughs> this is Kathy Geiswhite. 
creator of the Kathy comics in the 1980s, making Johnny Carson laugh his ass off. This may not be how you would expect to hear her sound. In this clip, she is confident. She's funny. She is very Western beauty standards thin. She's wearing stylish clothes. And these are not necessarily qualities we would associate with the queen of... Ah! So here's what I need you to understand. And I need you to really listen because she's not going to tell you this herself. Kathy Geiswhite is very fucking cool. I have all kinds of questions about what it's like to be... It occurred to me that you are exactly two years older than I was when I started the strip. So I'm trying to remember mm -hmm. my mindset when I was two years into doing the comic strip and what that, okay. what life was like for me. And I think it's like 10,000 years difference, a life for you. This is Kathy Geiswhite on the phone with me in California. Kathy Geiswhite is not Kathy the character, although you could be excused for assuming so. People get confused around their most iconic characters quite a bit, especially when those characters are named after them. Donna Reed will always be more closely associated with the PSYOP 1950s housewife than the high-powered Hollywood actor-producer calling a lot of the shots in her own career she actually was. Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen had a bajillion-dollar empire built upon carefully constructed versions of children they actually were not. This phenomenon is the reason that a large swath of the population thinks that Raven Simone can literally read their mind. But when I was getting this podcast together, I was finding a lot of people were surprised that Kathy, a newspaper comic strip about, to summarize, a very stressed out woman who says "ack," was actually created and illustrated by a woman named Kathy. And that's because when Kathy, both the artist and the actual character, came into the newspapers, she was the first female protagonist in the Daily Funny Pages who was written by a woman. And today, we're going to learn how that came to be and all of the problems that came with it. Later in the series, we'll be taking a look at the women who laid the groundwork for her career because Kathy Geiswhite did not come out of nowhere entirely. There had been women working in the funny pages and comics in general before she arrived whose presence didn't draw as much attention as Kathy's did. And we'll also be talking about creators who came after her. But by the time the Kathy comic debuted in papers in 1976, the Universal Press Syndicate, one of the leading funny page distributors at the time, was desperate for a comic that was about a woman's experience after the early to mid-1970s brought one of the largest and most impactful women's rights movements in the history of the United States. Here's Kathy speaking with me about how she first got the gig as a completely untrained artist in her 20s. So I always kept a journal. Mm -hmm. Um about my my romantic misery and how bad I felt about my weight. And one night I <laughs> one night I just I just do a scribbled picture of what I look like eating everything in the kitchen while I'm waiting for the phone to ring that never rang. And um, the scribbled picture and then I drew another picture of what I w might look like, you know, if he called then and wanted to come over and then that it was kind of like a two-part scribbled picture and it was it just made me feel so much better to see myself in picture form suddenly it was funny not I mean it was pitiful but it was funny pitiful to see it in on on the page and so mm -hmm. for a period of time instead of 
just writing the same sad thing in my diary every night, I would draw a picture of the kind of the worst of my day or the worst of my um, relationship moments. I sent these very private, very personal um, cartoons uh, to mom okay. and, ma- and with letters. And it was my mom who said, oh, this, you know, <laughs> after all those years of teaching me to keep my feelings private, she said, well, this could be a, a comic strip for millions of people to enjoy. I certainly knew nothing about comic strips, but mom uh, went to the library. She researched comic strip syndicates. She typed me a list of who she thought I should approach in the order I should approach them. And so to make her not do that, I (laughs) sent a group of these to the name at the top of her list, just one name, which was Universal Press Syndicate. So that's how the comic strip started. Was your mom the only one seeing them or that you were kind of entrusting with them before sending oh, them to yes. Universal Press? Oh, yes. No, I was wow. nothing I would ever show anybody. Wow. Okay. And then there was a big and then there was a big um, discussion when the a comic strip syndicate wrote me back right away. I think never in history has a comic strip syndicate like sent a contract out so fast. <laughs> but they said in, this was in 1976, and they, the world had was in this massive shift for mm-hmm. uh, women and men. I mean, the arguments between the sexes. It was like you can't even comprehend what this time was like mm-hmm. between men and women, and everybody was at each other's throats during this time. Mm-hmm. And they, the syndicate said, well, you know, that they had really been hoping to find a comic strip that dealt with how the world was changing for women, but that all the strips they'd seen had been, of course, done by men. And they said that they didn't mm-hmm. really have an emotional um, honesty <laughs> that they felt I did. And no that they, they said they would, um, <laughs> <laughs> they said they were confident that I could learn how to draw if I had to do it 365 days a year. Pretty fucking cool, right? So even though the foundation had been laid by other women for this to happen in this industry, the choice of the Kathy character, a woman who is open to but not completely sold on progressive feminism, seemed pretty deliberate. So let's learn about her. It's Kathy Geiswhite Day on ACCAST. She burst into the world in 1976. She's at work, she's out on dates, and she don't like politics. From mama and Irvin to her feminist friends. She's fighting all the standards with some chocolate in hand. Kathy, she's fighting back. Too stressed for success, let's cut her some slack. Oh, Kathy, my Kathy, fighting Kathy. She's got a lot going on. Kathy Geiswhite was born on September 5, 1950 in Dayton, Ohio, and was raised with her two sisters, Mickey and Marianne. Her father worked in advertising and eventually got Kathy the gig she'd hold before becoming a famous comic strip artist in the 70s. And her mom, like many women of the silent generation, although this definitely varies considerably by race and class, her mom stayed at home. Anne Geiswhite would become the inspiration for the mom character in the Kathy comic. Anne is typically characterized as overbearing. She's constantly worrying about Kathy, her marital status, her biological clock, and occasionally she'll start small businesses with her friend Flo. 
The real Anne Geiswhite is much more complicated and interesting. Right now she is 99 years old, living in Florida, and kicking. The last time I spoke with Kathy, they were in Florida together doing yoga classes on Zoom and preparing for Kathy's daughter's wedding. Here's Kathy telling me about her mom. Um, my mom was uh, born in a tiny remote village in the Slovakian boonies, and she emigrated to the United States with her mom when she was uh, three. Mm-hmm. Um, she grew up in, a, in an immigrant community in Cleveland. Um, I think my mom didn't speak English till she finally learned in kindergarten, but her mom spoke English, but never learned, her mom never learned to read or write. It was kind of shocking to me to realize that and realize that that's, you know, that's just such a one little generation away from opportunities that I had. But my mom grew up at a, my mom went to college, um, she got a um, a little scholarship to go to college at the beh- at the urging of one of her high school teachers. Nobody in my mom's family, no girl, had ever gone to college, mm-hmm. so it was a great big deal. And um, the relatives were angry. They didn't. The woman's place was to stay in the family and help out. And wow, you know, so- mom was going to go to college. Um, she got a journalism degree after college. My her boyfriend, my dad, went to war and mom worked as a as a writer okay. and um loved I will say loved working she like she's 99 now she lights yeah. up when she talks about having her career and her work which was you know ended of course when my dad came home from the war and got they got married and then right it was time for the um, women to not be working anymore I came along shortly after and then when yeah. my dad was uh, trying to get a job in a in an advertising agency. My mom was the one who knew how to do that, so she, she you know, she she helped him write the things that got him the job. She who would bring the assignments home every night for a long time. She did his work for him, and then he, you know, he elevated and he did very well in advertising. But he was trained. Mom, mom was the rock that started that. And along the way, she got a master's degree that she never mentioned to any of us um, until a few, a few years ago. And I said, well, where's the certificate? You know, where's the, <laughs> why didn't you tell us? Yeah. You know, she just said, I didn't need everybody to know. I knew that I earned it. But she's also a product of a generation where women didn't really have a say in very much at all, where the men were the right. men were the boss of the universe. So Kathy and her sisters grew up in this environment, in a home where mom taught dad how to do his job, and no one was really allowed to talk about it. She told me that she wasn't encouraged to think about what she wanted to be when she grew up very often, but she did think about it on her own in the 50s and 60s as a kid. She then went to the University of Michigan at Ann Arbor, where she majored in, well, she'll tell you. What, what did pique your interest, even if that wasn't kind of what you were, what you were studying? A boy named Dave. That was it. <laughs> he was a boy named Dave and the grilled pecan rolls at the at this coffee shop where I worked. So that's I gained a lot of weight in college, mm-hmm. stalking Dave and eating grilled pecan rolls <laughs> while I tried to make money. 
Okay, so Kathy says she majors in stalking a guy named Dave, but it is my journalistic compulsion to tell you she actually majored in English. And this was between the late 1960s and the early 1970s, when the women's liberation movement in the United States was really starting to take off. And by the time Kathy graduated in 1972, the movement was at its peak. So as a young woman, where was Kathy on women's issues at this time? I'm going to say at first I was kind of oblivious to it mm-hmm. in the in when I started college. Mm-hmm. It, there was such a transformation during the time that I was in college. There was such a, a, a opening of minds. We were all dressing in the uniform of these beautiful, liberating blue jeans. Men and women wore the same ones, the same styles, the same cuts. They kind of opened up the world. And I think that that... Um, you know, I think for me, it was a gradual awareness of of a different world for women than the one I had grown up expecting. Mm-hmm. And my mom, who is just a remarkable <laughs> traditionalist and feminist at the same time, she would <laughs> cheer me on to do be do and be everything that she hadn't had a chance to do. Mm-hmm. But she also said things to me like, when you play tennis, you know, always let the boy win because it's just more complicated if you win. You'll know that you're better. You know, you knew you'll know if you could have won. And that's all you need to know. A lot of the first strips I was writing, I was writing from living at a time when literally boys would not go out with you if you made more money than they did or if they thought you had career aspirations. It's at the University of Michigan where she also meets classmate Lawrence Kasten, who most famously went on to write some Star Wars movies and The Big Chill. They remain friends to this day, to the point where Kathy had her character go and praise The Big Chill when it came out in 1983 to support her friend's success. We love Kathy. It's while she's in college that Kathy's issues with food, a thing that comes up in the Kathy comics constantly, really solidifies as a part of her life. Kathy finished college taking advertising courses and, upon doing so, started working at the ad firm that her father worked at in the early 1970s. And there is a lot to say about how women and people of color were treated in the workplace at this time, and we'll be devoting quite a bit of time to it later in this show but I wanted to know how Kathy was treated in this position starting in her early 20s. She said this. You know, it was years later when, looking back, that I would say I realized, (laughs) you know, the hierarchy at the office and how it was not exactly pro-women. But at the time, you know, at the time, I was thrilled to be working. I was thrilled to have a job. I didn't, um, I was not... uh, you know, harassed by anybody. Um, mm-hmm. I was, uh, I was just, I was excited to be there. I was thrilled to be there. And, mm-hmm. and I worked, I worked really hard. I worked all day, every day. And then I always took mm-hmm. work home with me and worked in the night, unless I was stalking somebody, somebody <laughs> else. Dave was over there. So this is something that has come up for me a lot, interviewing women of this generation about how they were treated at work and at home. In a lot of cases, at first they'll be like, oh, it was great. It was just great to have a job at all. And then a few minutes later, the tone will switch a little to, well, there was this one time. And that's what I was finding with Kathy as well. 
It was great having a job and being in the workplace at all, but yes, the environment wasn't exactly pro-women. In spite of this, Kathy worked her way up in the company pretty quickly, and just a few years later, she had reached the managerial level. Pretty impressive stuff, but she wasn't happy with her life in spite of this professional success. Sound like a little cartoon we know? We're getting there. And it's here in Kathy's life where the genesis of the Kathy cartoons starts to take place and where one of the most rehearsed stories of her public life comes into play. Kathy told me this story over the phone, but over the last 40 years, she's told different versions of it on late night TV, in interviews, and in her book with very little deviation. Miser had an absolutely miserable love life. So I felt horrible about how I looked and I felt horrible that nobody loved me. In some versions of this story told over the years, Kathy's mom threatens to send in a cover letter with her daughter's comics herself, but that is essentially how it went. Bill Baker, an assistant executive director at the Detroit Free Press, told the paper in 1981 why he decided to pick the strip up in 1976. We made the decision fairly quickly to carry Kathy. It was of good quality, the gag and stories were all well conceived and well executed, and it appealed to an important and growing segment of young people who were starting out independent life. However, in the summer of 1980, that same Bill Baker and other editors at the Detroit Free Press discontinued the strip due to, as Baker put it, indications that it was becoming repetitive and cool and not as interesting. When this happened, the readers of the Detroit Free Press were not having it. There were 700 letters, a ton of phone calls, and even some in-person objectors who came to the paper to complain to editors until the executive editor David Lawrence Jr. wrote in the paper, okay, you win, Kathy will be back. One of the more interesting parts of the Kathy lore to me is that she came in as a pretty untrained artist. And there are a lot of famous cartoonists who didn't have formal training at the time of their first syndicated comic strip. Scott Adams of Dilbert fame, Aaron Magruder of the Boondocks, and old school comics gods like Jack Kirby all come to mind, and Kathy is very much in their ranks. You can actually kind of see her figuring out her illustration style in real time over the course of the first several years of the comic. As time goes on, Kathy's surroundings become more distinct. Previously kind of nameless characters start to develop their own personalities and stories and looks. And the Kathy character herself transforms from a 20-something with really stringy hair and a long sleeve shirt with a heart on it with no other outfits into a distinctive character who can wear any hairstyle or outfit and still look like Kathy. Here's what happened when the first comic strip came out back in November 1976. You know, it was maybe, it was a few months after I signed up with them that the comic strip was launching in the paper and I, I never told anybody that it was coming. It's just the day that, you know, <laughs> the day came when it appeared in the paper. And, um, and, Pretty much I hid that day in the ladies' room at the office because I was working in an office filled with artists who would ridicule the artwork. You know, I had worked very hard at that point to really um, present myself as a, you know, a, a, a self-respecting, strong, you know, confident work woman. And my comic strips were the essence of vulnerability. 
Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does the hard parts for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more with a home management team that provides support before, during, and after your stay so you can focus on the relaxing, hosting, and making memories with family and friends. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. With Picasso, you can stop saying someday and start building family traditions today in a vacation home you own and revisit time after time. Visit Picasso.com today to see thousands of luxury vacation home listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty, beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. And this brings us to a question that has dogged Kathy Geiswhite for the majority of her adult life. If she didn't want to be associated with her comic so directly, why name it after herself? The short answer is that she didn't want to name it after herself. As is often the case for a new voice, Kathy was partially given the gig in order to represent not just herself, but to an extent, her entire gender. 
the comic strip had convinced me to name the main character Kathy, which I had not wanted to do. Men get the men, men get the protective shield around them a lot more. And the other and the other also the protective shield of not being um, <laughs> presumed to be egomaniacs, you know, if they're writing about themselves. And that was mm. that's that I dislike that more than anything because I felt like a comic strip named Kathy by Kathy Guys White sounded like the ego trip of the universe. And it was the exact opposite of that. I mean it was right. it was created from the place of the most my my deepest insecurities. For the first year of the comic, Kathy remained at her office job at the ad agency But when it became clear that the comic was going to be very successful, she eventually left and began to work from home. Even as the comic was really starting to take off, these first few years of cartooning sounded pretty isolating for her. She was working alone, planning the strip out a few weeks in advance, and teaching herself how to draw in real time. The comic originally debuted in about 50 papers, but syndication increased to 250 papers by the early 80s. The comic's primary audience was, no surprise, young adult women between 18 and 40, as well as those readers' mothers. Kathy was well aware of her demographic, confirming in a 1982 Chicago Tribune profile. Kathy is a fairly unique cartoon character in that she is aimed totally at the adult woman. Kathy became a more self-assured media personality in the 80s, but early interviews with her sounded a little more like this. This is coming from the Detroit Free Press, the week the comic became syndicated in November 76. People ask me why Kathy spends so much time thinking about guys. It's because I think no matter how successful a woman gets, the man in her life is still the most important thing. Ah, uh, <laughs> there's moments in this story where you have no choice but to just be like, kathy aka truly ack But even present-day Kathy cringes at the Kathy of this time. Here we are talking about this exact clip, unbeknownst to me, a couple of weeks ago when she was in Florida with her mom. I just, like, was looking through this. Mom has, of course, reams of scrapbook things on me, and I'm trying to help her get organized, and I happened upon this article where the big call-out quote (laughs) just, like, made me want to die. The big call-out quote was, you know, no matter what else a woman does, having a man in her life is the most important thing. That is, that was a quote from me, apparently. This was, like, in the late 70s, early 80s, and I I read that now. I mean, it truly is like reading your diary that you just want to throw up or burn it, you know, or stomp it out. But there it is in bold print. This was the call out in the article that I was probably proud of at that time. (laughs) I don't know what to tell you, except that's that's who I was back then. That's who, when the strip started, at least, that's who a lot of uh, women were. I mean, as the strip evolved, I hope people will, will have some compassion for the fact that Kathy sort of evolved a bit and that she was not always a wimp. But this was very much the role that Kathy filled in the cartooning industry at this time. Her presence in the pages indicated progress, but she wasn't necessarily launching the radical feminist missives that other artists were in the late 1970s with collections like Women's Comics and It Ain't Me Babe. Those collections explored feminism, explicit sex, and queerness as the rule, not the exception more on that in a future episode. But in her space, Kathy was singular. 
She was the only woman spotlighted in a special that aired on CBS in 1980 called The Fantastic Funnies, hosted by Lonnie Anderson and featuring creators from the most popular comic strips of the day. In this clip, she is 20-something with the Gen Z middle part going, and she's wearing an outfit that looks very much like the first iteration of the Kathy character. She's slimmer with long hair and a red long sleeve shirt with a heart, and she's in her Michigan studio. Since comic strips have always reflected the changing American scene for the past 85 years, it is significant that one of the newest comic strips, Kathy, is one woman's look at her contemporary scene. But Kathy Geiswhite didn't start out to be a cartoonist. One night, instead of writing in my journal about my problems, I, for some reason, drew a picture of what my problems looked like. And when I saw them in picture, it was, it was a completely new experience for me. Suddenly, the things that seemed so tragic seemed funny to me. How about if I put down that my goal is to be the president of a major corporation and make $100,000 a year? I thought you wanted to get married and live in a little white house with two cute kids. That's my goal, too. I want everything, Andrea. I'm going to do it all. All I need now is a job and a date. In these early years, Kathy's mentor in the industry was none other than Charles Schultz, whose Peanuts comic strips had been running successfully since 1950 and grown into a television and licensing empire that still exists today, 20 years after his death. Schultz was instrumental in legitimizing and elevating Kathy's work early on, writing the introduction to collections of Kathy comics in the 80s. To introduce The Kathy Chronicles, he writes this. Two Kathys. I suppose we could all use a couple of Kathys in our lives. The Kathy and Kathy Geiswhite strip is not really the Kathy Geiswhite I know. I can tell them apart with no trouble at all. The comic strip Kathy points out for us just how much trouble life is for a young working girl. She shrieks in agony, laughs with delight, and works very hard. I don't know if Kathy Geiswhite ever shrieks in agony, but I know she laughs easily and works very hard. It is not really difficult, in spite of what you may have heard, to draw a comic strip every day, but it is very, very difficult to make it better and better. And this is what Kathy Geiswhite has been doing. Kathy gets better every day. I like having two Kathys in my life. I read a little bit about how supportive that uh, Charles Schultz was to you during that time. Could you tell me a little bit um, about that and about your relationship with him and how that uh, friendship formed? He came to uh, early on in the strip. I was um, invited to come give a talk as a new cartoonist to in to a group in San Francisco, and he came. Uh, who lived in Santa Rosa, he came to hear my talk, which was a great big deal because he didn't like to leave his house. Um, <laughs> so uh, that was the first day I met him. And he was, he's legendary for being very supportive of other cartoonists, all cartoonists, but he was extremely supportive to me. I, I think he felt a, a, you know, a resonance with the kind of writing I was doing. He mm. was absolutely appalled by my, by my artwork <laughs> and he um he gave me drawing lessons I have some I have some sessions where he would sit down and he would say this is how you show somebody walking you know and he I have little drawings where it looks like Kathy on the top and then it would be like Char like Charlie Brown legs and feet you know walking across the page after a few years of working successfully in comics, 
Kathy moved to Southern California, Santa Barbara, and later Los Angeles in late 1980, and she lives in the area to this day. I was surprised to learn in those early years and now that she didn't communicate with or consume the other comic strips in the paper outside of Charles Schultz's work very often. She was too busy, and artists at that time generally only saw each other about once a year at the National Cartoonist Society's prestigious Rubin Award ceremony. In the late 1970s, there were very few women at these events. The comics pages were absolutely dominated by straight white American men. So here's how Kathy described the culture among comic artists at that time. In the beginning, it was a it's a very male <laughs> group uh, and very yeah. um, I'm going to say male chauvinistic group starting out, but they were just. Uh, I, I never had anything but massive support and love and, you know, kind of cheering me on. I mean, all, all cartoonists are, you know, facing the same monster every day of the blank paper. And right. that that's a bond that goes deep and it kind of wipes away any other differences you might have. But I cannot stress to you enough that it was this, the, 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 National Cartoonist Society was like amazingly supportive. Yeah. They were delighted to have women in their midst. They were delighted to have uh, female voices. They were, they were, um, you know, proud of anybody, you know, being able to sustain, you know, themselves on the newspaper page. Mm -hmm. And they were, this was such, it was, it was true. I'm still defending them because, because I love these guys. I love these yeah. wonderful men. And look, they were like from, many of them were more like my dad's generation. And I got that, you know, I got that. Yeah. They grew up at a different time and this was, they had a different way of paying tribute. Again, this brought up the pattern I was describing before how many women start telling me that it was a very different time and that the values were different and that the men in their midst were generally coming from a good place. And then a few minutes later, something else will come up, a story with a little more detail and something that clarifies what growing up at a very different time means in practice. In Kathy's case, at this point in her career, I had read an anecdote in a profile by Rachel Syme about something that had happened at one of the National Cartoonist Society gatherings that involves her and a handful of other women in the industry at the time, including Lynn Johnston of For Better or For Worse fame. I know. This is she what I'm interested in. <laughs> I know. She okay. There was there was one year early on when this lovely group of very supportive men declared it the year of the woman cartoonist, uh -huh. and it was it was an honor thing. Okay. It wasn't a degrading thing. It was an honor. But it, I'm going to say it was an honor in um, a um, <laughs> in a. How do we put it? Like a little, a bit oblivious okay. way. So yeah. they they did have a sketch up in front, the women who were doing comic strips, they did have a sketch up in front of everybody. And they did place banners on us that said woman cartoonist. Oh my God. So I know. <laughs> oh <my> God. <laughs> okay. It was <laughs> at the time. Uh-huh. 
it never occurred to me to be offended by that because okay. I had met, received such massive support from this group of cartoonists. Mm-hmm. I mean, wonderful support. And <clears throat> I saw that as just, and when somebody asked me about it afterwards, I just laughed and I said, well, but, you know, it was just like their awkward way of trying to honor the women who are cartoonists. Amazing. Men can do anything. Gary Trudeau, the creator of the Pulitzer Prize-winning Doonesbury comic strip, is said to have walked out of the pageant. King behavior. But more troubling than the fumbling, clueless men of the funny pages of this era, Kathy told me, was getting her comic distributed by a nearly all-male advertising department. The, the content of what they were trying to sell was so different. I mean, my artwork was so cryptic and the nobody, nobody was writing female characters, you know, talking about the things that I was talking about yeah. at that time. Right. And they, the, <laughs> I was told it took a lot of convincing for the salespeople to take it out on the road and then they would face the male editors at the newspapers and years later the salespeople some of them told me that they used to just like take uh you know a couple weeks of work that they were supposed to show and they would just cut out a couple that they could stand to show (laughs) to the newspaper editors and then they would try to make a case for the strip based on those and not you know not really show the other things This was one of the factors that motivated Kathy to not only begin to merchandise her character, but to take control of the merchandising herself. There were several comic strip characters who had built licensing empires, most notably Peanuts, but also think Garfield by Jim Davis, think Dennis the Menace, think Popeye, think Archie. There was already a huge precedent for success outside of the funny pages. But Kathy's experience working with male ad execs made it clear that she'd need to be intimately involved in the process in order for it to be successful. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does the hard parts for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billings, scheduling, and more with a home management team that provides support before, during, and after your stay so you can focus on the relaxing, hosting, and making memories with family and friends. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. With Picasso, you can stop saying someday and start building family traditions today in a vacation home you own and revisit time after time. Visit Picasso.com today to see thousands of luxury vacation home listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. 
Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but like I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. She began her merchandising company in the early 80s, thereby taking on her second full-time job as CEO of a licensing company on top of continuing to churn out daily comic strips. The two, okay. Well, the two big licensing forces were Charles Schultz, who had, of course, a licensing empire, sure. and Jim Davis, who created Garfield, and he had a licensing empire. Mm-hmm. And I saw no reason why a female cartoonist couldn't have a licensing empire, yeah. especially because, you know, we love to shop. Women love to shop, and <laughs> there we go. But I spent decades <laughs> trying to make it work. There, I know that you, you were extremely... Um, involved on top of doing the daily comic strip. What was that balance like for you over the years? Um, <laughs> I, I, yeah, it was, it was hard. It got, it just was a lot. I mean, I, yeah. I eventually had to have an office full of people who worked also worked on the licensing, who were, were did sales and marketing and all of that. And mm. eventually had to have some people help draw the merchandise Oh boy, there's so much of that I would not have done if I I had it to do over again. And it was in the early 80s that Kathy's popularity really exploded. Even if you weren't a daily follower of the comic strip, the image of the stressed out career woman could be found basically anywhere you turned. And she was covered by the press a lot. Kathy herself was often framed as the extension of the character, or sometimes a contradiction of it, considering her success. Kathy said this to the Detroit Free Press in 1981. I'm self-confident and insecure to the same degree. I know exactly what I want to do and how to do it, and I'm confident of my abilities to do it. And at the same time, I'm not sure what I want to do, and I doubt my abilities. 
But sometimes journalists would point out that the problems that Kathy wrote about in the comic might not be actual problems she had in real life. But Kathy is extremely consistent in her public persona. This 1983 piece by Sue Chastain in the Philadelphia Inquirer sums it up perfectly. Kathy says this. If I concentrate on one area of my life, the rest of it automatically deteriorates. I can have clean closets, but then that's it. I'll be behind in work, I'll have ignored all my friends and relationships, and I'll be bouncing checks all over town. The writer comments immediately after this. Actually, it isn't all that bad for the 33-year-old guy's wife, one of only four women with syndicated strips. With Kathy now appearing in 350 newspapers, she reportedly takes in more than 100000 a year from syndication alone. Chastain continues later in the piece. The income enabled her to buy a two-door style house. Guys White says, two puny bedrooms, one puny living room, one puny kitchen, one great attic in Santa Barbara, California, three years ago. Still, it's not in Guys White's best interest to let success blind her to her neuroses. They do, after all, provide her material. What does come out is a humbleness that, in context, may seem to deflect the privileged status that her work attained her. And again, this was not an uncommon thing for successful women to do at this time, particularly by the 1980s, when a massive cultural backlash to the women's liberation movement of the 70s resulted in a more generally chastened cultural attitude on women's success in the American capitalist structure. Either way, Kathy's public persona only served to boost the merchandise's popularity. Her work appeared taped up in offices, on coffee mugs, on oversized exercise t-shirts. At different points in time, Kathy did commercials for McDonald's salad, which is as gross as it sounds. For McDonald's salads, Kathy, she's young, on the go, has it all together. No time in her busy schedule. Ring, please. But there's one thing she really loves. McDonald's fresh tossed salads, loaded with fresh vegetables for loads of taste. Yeah, I'll take the Caesar. No, the peppercorn. Decisions are no problem for her. She'll take the Caesar. Thanks, Mom. She did a commercial for JCPenney. Get up early to power walk or power jog, but I'll be at the JCPenney after Thanksgiving sale at 7 a.m. Friday. She did one for Nudson Yogurt. Can a woman who'd sleep through her 10-mile job, her workout and beauty treatment, get up for the rich, delicious treat of Newton Cal 70 yogurt? She did one for Betty Crocker Cake Lovers Collection, Ack. Introducing Cake Lovers Collection. How could you? Sweet talker, Betty Crocker. Invent a cake mixed with a big pouch of juicy carrots and plump raisins. And a lot of this TV ad success was brought on by the existing success of these 80s merchandising efforts. Kathy is liberated, sort of, but Kathy lacks chutzpah. Kathy, Kathy, Kathy. What Kathy doesn't lack is exposure. This is Peggy Landers talking about the Kathy character in the South Florida Sentinel in 1982, advertising the release of the first Kathy ragdoll. She mentions in her piece the existence of Kathy soap, Kathy coffee mugs, Kathy beach towels, greeting cards, stationery, placemats, potholders, tote bags, cookie jars, and clothes. Hell, there was an entire goddamn Kathy boutique at Neiman Marcus stores across the United States in the 80s. This was a whole thing. And all of this merchandise was marketed at adult women. 
Kathy ran the company and also brought on one of her sisters to help her do so. As the character became more and more recognizable, Kathy Geiswhite herself began to appear on late night shows. She became a semi-regular guest on Johnny Carson and would usually discuss topics similar to the ones she explored in the comic. Here's a clip of her on Jay Leno. You always have like a couple of bathing suit things. Yeah, yeah. beaks of bathing suit things. Well, women have two main figure problem areas, the top half of our bodies and the bottom half of our bodies. Hmm, yeah. And every year, the fashion industry finds a way to make things worse. You know, it used to be that a woman could depend on a one-piece suit, which at least covered more. And hmm. now the one-piece suits that ha they have out there, I'm sure the women in this audience have had that experience, if you pull them up high enough to cover the top, then the leg hole comes up to the waist and the entire rear end is on display. That is horrible. I as the licensing empire grew in the 1980s, so did the comic and creator's popularity. The South Florida Sentinel quotes Kathy Geiswhite commenting on how the comic changed alongside herself during its first six years in print. Kathy tells the paper. I have expanded my thinking quite a bit in the past few years, and so has she. She spends most of her time at work now, and her biggest problem is trying to find a balance between home life and work. Although she's still vulnerable, she speaks her mind, goes out with different people. She still fails, but in more enlightening ways. This would have been right around the time that Kathy, the character, would have been separated from Irving, was dating new guys, and starting a whisper network at work after getting sexually harassed by her boss. And I wish that this more forward-thinking phase of Kathy was translated into the merchandise, but it kind of wasn't. The majority of merchandise from the 1980s and 1990s focused solely on food issues and insecurities rather than any win that Kathy would have. This fixation on Kathy's more insecure, fragile self was also emphasized in the next phase of Kathy Mania. Three TV specials that aired in 1987, 88, and 89 on CBS. Animated and produced by the same guy who did the Peanuts specials, Bill Melendez. And that's where I'll leave you for today. In part two of this episode, we'll get into Kathy's animated specials from the late 80s and her impact going all the way up to now. Also, she asks me when I'm going to have kids. That's this Wednesday on ACCAST. ACCAST is an iHeartRadio production. It is written, researched, and hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. Sophie Lichterman is the world's greatest producer. Isaac Taylor is the world's greatest editor. Zoe Blade writes the world's greatest music. And Brandon Dickert wrote the world's greatest theme. Huge thank you to Kathy Geiswhite for this episode in particular. And in today's episode, you heard the vocal talent of Anna Hosnier, Julia Clare, and Isaac Taylor. And after many requests... Here is the full theme song. It's good. She burst into the world in 1976. She's at work, she's out on dates, and she don't like politics. From Mama and Irvin to her feminist friends. She's fighting all the stanzas with some chocolate in hand. Kathy, she's fighting back. Too stressed for success, let's cut her some slack.
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Looking for a fabulous fashion brand that celebrates you? Then look no further than Boston Proper, where styles are designed with you in mind. So you can look and feel amazing, no matter the day, season, or occasion. At bostonproper.com, you'll find fashion that knows you best. For over 30 years, Boston Proper has been the fashion destination for confident women who want to elevate their look with unique, sophisticated clothing at affordable prices. Visit bostonproper.com today. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else.